From tellmeyourdreams.com, this is Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. I'm Dane Sanders. Converge is a show about that space, that tension between finding work that pays the bills and making our work meaningful. The show lives where our personal and professional lives collide, giving all of us the chance to rethink how we live and labor in a work-from-everywhere economy. For much of 2020, there has only been one conversation, and that's the coronavirus and the pandemic we're in and how we're navigating it, and or have we navigated it, depending on when you listened in, or what it brought after the fact. Today's conversation, I think, will be very helpful, a gift even, for any of us who are trying to make sense of our world in the midst of the unfamiliar. My guest is Jeff Goins. He's a writer, marketer. He's an incredible human being uh, out of Nashville. He's well-known by many. Uh, You can find him at Goins Writer and uh, all the other projects he's a part of, specifically the Portfolio Life is what comes to mind right away. But today's conversation is really a helpful way from an articulate writer and storyteller around how, how does story actually work and where do you fit in it? And in particular, how do you find freedom in the midst of stories that take you off course where you're not really sure where you are, kind of like this pandemic, and where you want to leverage where you are, especially if you've been forced into it, in such a way that more liberty comes than than bondage. So that's the gift uh, that Jeff is. That's the gift of this conversation. And I promise uh, you are in for a treat today. Jeff Goins, welcome to Converge. Hey, Dane, that was a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. What people don't know is uh, he's not heard it yet. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, now I have so many options on what I could say in the intro yeah, when I record I it in post. Set me up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeff, we've been friends for a long time, and um, I am so grateful for you in my life. You're someone who, in increasing ways, uh, are finding pathways to your own sense of liberation as a human being, someone who has tried a lot of things and succeeded at a lot of things and learned a lot of things along the way. And I was just so excited that you were open to jumping on this conversation around uh, around freedom and uh, how do you find freedom in your life personally, especially in this season that we're in when the entire planet is forced into a new normal and they are navigating what does freedom mean for them? And I have a hunch there's some lessons we can learn in this conversation. We all can as we as we chat about it. But to get us started, for folks who aren't familiar with you, Jeff, can you give folks at home some broad stroke timeline of your journey as a as a writer and as a um, creator and business person? Sure. Well, um, I think of myself as a writer who helps other writers and creatives succeed. And that has looked a lot of different ways. Um, But my background is in marketing, which was a surprise to me since I went to college with a 
double major in Spanish and religion. But I got into marketing, working for a nonprofit, kind of my first job out of college after traveling the country and world uh, with a band for a year, playing music, moved to Nashville, and then started working for a nonprofit. Learned about online marketing, came up in the uh, school of Seth Godin, just following his blog and applying everything that I I learned from him about good, ethical, permission-based marketing. And did that for about seven and a half years, telling other people's stories, sharing other people's ideas, and realizing that I had an idea. I had a story. I had things that I wanted to tell the world and started a blog and built a personal brand around me and my ideas and built an online business teaching online courses for writers uh, while I was writing and publishing my own books. And I've been doing that for almost the past 10 years now. I was just this morning listening to an interview with a dear friend of mine, a guy named Jeff Jensen, and a a local pastor uh, in our town, and they were talking a lot about story, and story particularly in this moment. And for those of you guys who don't know Jeff, a different Jeff, not Jeff Goins, but Jeff Jensen, uh, Jeff, if you've ever seen the uh, HBO show um, Watchmen, he was a writer there. He wrote for Entertainment Weekly for about 19 years or so, and but he was talking, and I want to hear your comments on this. He was talking specifically about the importance of story, especially in moments like this, like finding a means by which you tell stories, not just success stories too, although he said that those were particularly helpful, but also hard stories, hard stories that are where people are struggling and wrestling. And I guess I'm curious about two things for you. One, what do you think of Jeff's comments on that? But two, in your own life, when you think of the roller coaster ride of you know, being a creative, a writer, a marketer, uh, being in a band, multiple languages, uh, and m- multiple faith tradition like perspectives, the uh. the road you've been on. Uh, talk about that that story in your own life, and also just reflect a little bit on the good times and the hard times, and and the role that stories played in that. Mm. I think more than anything, I'm attracted to stories that feel real, or maybe better said, a story is good when it causes real feelings in me. And so um, what that has often meant, and I don't know this is necessarily a healthy thing, is that I, I grew up around a lot of chaos. And so I have naturally felt more at home in chaotic situations, uh, which, you know, there's there's some benefit to that as a leader when things are intense when they're not calm, I'm pretty calm. And when things are calm, I am unnerved. I am uncomfortable. Hmm. And so I have this tendency to create chaos. I can create order from chaos, but I can also create chaos from order. Mm. Meaning I will, I'll drum up melodrama. I will, um, <laughs> not, not consciously, of course, of know, course. realizing this is what yeah. I'm doing, yeah. but I'll, I'll create emergencies so that I can actually calm down. And so what this means (laughs) is that throughout my life, I've generated all kinds of intense stories because when things aren't intense, it's hard for me to feel them, to be honest. Uh, And so, you know, there's a very beautiful aspect to that, which is that I am always trying to create the best experience for myself and my friends and my loved ones. And I'm always pushing things to the limit. Like, let's go deeper. Let's make this better, more intense. And and there's obviously a shadow side to that, which is that that can burn people out. That can burn me out. Um, and it's, it's just not sustainable. You know, it's not a healthy way to live. But I think in terms of story, good, bad, hopeful, scary, hard, whatever, I don't care. 
Mm. I want intense. Mm. I want real. real. I want the experience of being alive. You know, what is that? Um, there's that quote that says, um, we're not looking for the meaning of life. We're looking for the experience of feeling alive. Mm. And that's my aim. And, you know, and, and I'm aware as I can be right now, I'm as aware as, as I can be right now of the good, the bad, and the ugly of that, but that is my wiring. And so what I try to do on a conscious basis is seek healthy ways to create meaningful and memorable experiences because stories are just our recollections of those experiences. Mm. But but my goal every day is to actually live, right? To live my way through life instead of just existing. And that's a choice, right? That's a, that's a real daily decision. There are plenty of days where I can just sleep, walk through life mm. and, and just not be aware. It's, it's not about like going to Disney world every day. It's just about going for a walk and being in the walk, not being in my meeting 15 minutes ago, or, you know, worrying about this thing that's going to happen in, a, in an hour. And when you can walk through life and actually perceive things you're awake, you're alive, you are, you're there. And, and I think this is, this is the gift of art. This is the gift of creativity, which is to make something that brings us out of our stories. So I love stories, but I like life better. And stories, when they're doing their job, help us make sense of the story that we're living right now. Then stories, when they're not fulfilling that transcendent purpose, they're distracting us from the life that's in front of us. What a goldmine, man. Uh, there are so, <laughs> there's so many different directions to go in this conversation. First of all, as you were talking about that sleepwalking notion, I was reminded of, um, was it Walker Percy who talked about the search and mm. uh, the idea of uh, not wanting to sleepwalk through, through life? Or maybe it was Robert Coles, I can't remember. But the, the, those conversations around how do you stay awake and present in the midst of uh, the narratives we're living into, I, I kind of want to just pin that and come back to it. But I think that's something we're all, in a sense, craving, that sense of aliveness. I wonder, too, like the theme of this this show is, is I, I'm almost embarrassed to describe it this way, but we want to be in pursuit of a conversation around becoming more free. And as I'm hearing you describe the experience of feeling alive, is freedom, um, in your mind, a version of that, like the experience of feeling most alive, perhaps? Mm. Uh, or how, how would you nuance that? I, I found the quote that I was looking for. It's a Joseph Campbell quote. And he ah. says, people say that what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive. So that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our innermost being in reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. Now, if we parse this, you know, people use the word meaning in wrong ways, meaning <laughs> that, uh, you know, meaning is we say, oh, that was meaningful. And, and what we mean is that was beautiful or wonderful or mm. memorable or we liked it a whole lot. Mm. But to actually say something is meaningful, meaning is a human construct. It's um, you look, you open a book called the dictionary and there are these uh, concepts, right? There are these words that represent concepts that represent actual reality, right? So you have tree, 
right? An actual living be- you know, thing, organism, uh, with leaves and branches and roots and things. Uh, then you have the word TR. Well, you have the concept of tree. This is this is a thing that I saw, and it's in a category of other things that I've seen, and we call those things trees. That's a concept. Then you have the word tree. So human beings do this necessarily. Uh, we abstract meaning from objective reality. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're getting esoteric here. <laughs> no, but well, the, well, just to interject, I, I think this is exactly right. Like we're we're meaning we're meaning makers. We're always right. yeah. making up stories around our world, which is wonderful and. We must never forget that the meaning of the word, the concept behind the thing that we're experiencing is not the thing. It's not the experience mm-hmm. itself. You know, so if you, I, I studied religion in college and we would get hung up on the word God and we would call God ultimate reality, which obviously is just another word. And, you know, whether you're talking about a Buddhist tradition or Christian tradition or whatever, there are these contemplative mystical traditions that talk about the finger pointing to the moon helps you see the moon, but we must not pay attention to the finger, right? Mm -hmm. That's what a word is. A word meaning is a finger pointing to the moon. And Campbell here is saying, everybody's trying to figure out the answer, the purpose, the thing. And that's not it. Like the meaning of life is not the point of life. The point of life is to live it. So what is freedom? Freedom is the actual experience of being alive, being untethered by concepts that help you get to the thing, but can also hold you down. They can prevent you from getting to the thing. The word God can prevent you from having a transcendent spiritual experience. The word love, after you watched a John Hughes movie, (laughs) (laughs) can prevent you. It can trip you up with your expectations about actually experiencing uh, love. And the word creativity or art or good can prevent me from actually creating the kind of work that I need to create in this world. You asked about actual experiences. I had an experience recently a few, several months ago, when I was in San Francisco with a friend, and we rode our bikes out to the Mere Woods, and um, we were in downtown San Francisco. We rented these bikes, rode them across the Golden Gate Bridge. We stopped in Sausalito, got a couple of beers, parked our bikes somewhere, and this uh, woman who was in charge of the the bike park rental place because you had to pay money to just you know park our bike somewhere, she said, "Where are you going?" I said, "We're going out to the Mere Woods," and she goes, "Oh, no." She's from Texas. She says, "You can't do that." I said, "Why not?" She goes, "You'll die." <laughs> I was like, no, I, I think it's like only eight or nine miles out there. I think I think I've been out there before. I think I've done it before, like fifteen years ago. It, you know, she's like, "No, honey, I live out there. You'll die." And I was like, "What is she talking about?" And so, you know, we drank our beers and got on our bikes and and rode out to the Mere Woods. And about halfway out there, I was like, "Oh, I know what she's talking about." Because you basically ride up a forty degree hill for four and a half miles. <laughs> And I was like, I was like standing up on this road bike and I'm not a big cyclist and I'm not in great shape. And so I'm just like dying in this dude who was clearly way better at cycling than I was, was just, you know, sitting on his bicycle in the lowest gear possible. And he was just, his feet were going really fast. And he just turned over to me and he goes, dude, stop trying so hard. Uh. You'll get like, and he was like, you'll get there eventually. And you're, cause I was killing myself. I was standing on the bike, you know, up and down, up and down. And he just kind of came along just, um, you know, very quickly moving his feet, but like not actually going very fast, you know? Yeah. Um, and anyway, I get to the top of this hill and then it's, we basically four and a half miles up the hill and then four and a half miles down the hill into this valley where the mere woods are. And we start going down this hill and it's like 
we're flying. We're doing, I don't know, probably 40 miles an hour on our bikes. We're going pretty fast, uh, doing these switchbacks back and forth. And I'm like riding the brake the whole time because I'm thinking, you know, got to be careful. I mean, there's these are switchbacks. Like, there's a, this is a mountain that we're on basically, and we fall down hundreds of feet down this valley. And and as I went down the the hill, I um, started to stop riding the brake so much, and I started to let go entirely. And and I it accelerated and accelerated and accelerated. I started going really fast. And I thought, you know, I'm in control of this situation, kind of. But one wrong move, I hit a pebble. I, f- I fly off this thing and die. And I had recently had an experience where I had been a little bit too much out of control for my own comfort. And, and I've had plenty of experiences where I'm too much in control. And I realized this, I think, is, is what Campbell's talking about. The thrill, the bliss, the rapture of actually being alive, I think, is being right on the edge between being alive and being dead. And I'm not like a thrill-seeking adrenaline junkie, but every day is a risk, right? Stepping out your house is a risk. Meeting somebody is a risk. Falling in love is a risk. Doing work is a risk. And so if we're too comfortable, we're too safe, we're too tethered, uh, life is boring. You know, you're kind of dead. You're sleepwalking. And if you're, you know, too out there, um, you're dead in another way, right? There's two ways to die. One is to not really live. The other is to, you know, kill yourself taking too many risks. And I was like, this for me, for me, is the thrill of being alive. It's on my edge and everybody's got their own edge of, of, of going. I'm not I'm more in control than I am out of control, but I recognize mm. that the things that are outside of my control and I'm, I'm comfortable with the risks that I'm taking and this is what it means to be alive, to face the fact that I won't always be here. And so while I'm here, I want to experience all that there is to experience. When you were talking earlier, you mentioned um, the phenomenon of sometimes you create emergencies to calm down and it relates to what I'm hearing you describe. In fact, I'm reminded of there's a, a TED Talk with a researcher from, I think he's from the University of Nebraska, and um, he talks about what he calls the complexity rings. And what he means by that is if you take an Audi symbol, uh, the four rings, and you turn it vertically, so there's a top, ring at the top, then it's attached to the second, third, and fourth. He would say that if the third ring down, the ring of order, and that many people crave order in their lives because there's so much chaos, which is the first ring. So the first ring is chaos, the third ring is order. In that craving of order, oftentimes people will stay there just a little too long and it'll go to the fourth ring, which he calls stagnation. So if third ring is order, fourth ring is stagnation, first ring is chaos, which is out of which um, some would argue that's where God lives, that's where creativity comes from, all the edgy uh, stuff that people might discount because they're scared of it because it feels so out of control. But but the the dream actually is to develop into the kind of person who can live in the second ring, which he calls complexity. And that's the ability to hold one hand uh, firmly on order and one hand <laughs> as as much as you can hold on to order or to chaos uh, onto chaos and to just not let go and to live in that tension point between order and chaos. And that's a little of what I'm hearing you describe and your willingness to fine tune even emergencies, chaos to create calm and to disrupt calm to get more towards chaos. Am I hearing you right? Does that sound accurate? I think that's what I aspire to. I mean, I, I think, you know, to be honest, there was definitely a, a season of 10 years of my life of just unconscious chaos creation. I was starting fires that I could put out because it felt good to put out fires. 
and uh, I burnt people out and misled organizations as a result of this addiction mm. to intensity. Mm. So then, you know, because I've always kind of vacillated from extreme disorder to, you know, extreme order that I then get bored with and have to blow up. Mm. What I'm trying to do now is is what you're describing, and it feels like a dance. Mm. I never really understood this. I never got really into Joseph Campbell until recently and understanding the hero's journey as more than just, you know, the monomyth hero with a thousand faces kind of thing, but understanding really as the spiritual journey that we all go on in our lives and these myths and stories are just reminders of our own journeys in life. And, you know, you go through all of these, whatever, 12 stages, 15 stages, however you break it down, different, there's different approaches to it. But I, I didn't realize that the final approach after you come home from the adventure is what he calls master of two worlds. Hmm. And the hero's journey is about leaving the ordinary world, leaving um, the external world, going into um, the upside down world, the fantasy world. So hmm. this is Narnia. This is Middle Earth. You know, it's leaving the safety of the Shire and going into Mordor. Is it like uh, you said the upside down? I, w- I immediately thought of Stranger Things. Is yeah, that, yeah. Is, is that not too? Is that possible? Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to Oz. I mean, think of every story. It's it's leaving home. Every story is about leaving home. It's leaving uh, Tatooine and you know exploring a galaxy far, far away. It's mm-hmm. it's leaving the familiar, uh, and it's going into the unknown, and then it's discovering something about yourself through an adventure, getting tools and helpers and keys along the way, facing your your the ghost of your father, your parents, your past, kind of facing that, fighting it, coming out the other side, and you bring a gift back to the people. And you do this, the hero's journey lasts your whole life. Again, it's, it's a cycle. You go through it multiple times. So every time you write a book, start a business, start a new relationship, move, uh, you know, across the country, whatever it is, like every new adventure, you're kind of going through this. Like we all feel this, I think in our lives where we're drawn away from the familiar, we get bored and we're, we're drawn into a new thing. What I didn't realize is the point of this perpetual journey of journeys throughout your life is eventually you become master of two worlds, meaning you dance between the inner um, spiritual transformational realm uh, and the external world of like, how do I be a human being in this world? Right. And so I think of it like that, like my dance is to find a way to keep creating. And, and I, like, I really resonate with that as a creative person. Like I was just in my bedroom writing poetry before doing this call. And part of me was like, I just want to stay here. I don't want to do an interview. I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to check in with my team or publish something on social media today. Like I want to stay in this inner spiritual, creative, mystical realm. But the whole point of that realm is to pull something out of that realm. This is creativity is to pull something out of the ether and then share it with the world. And then the world often, I think, inspires you to go back into that you know inner chamber of, of creativity. I love the story of Narnia because of that, because the kids keep going into this mystical world and eventually by the end of it, they stop going to Narnia and they find a way to take everything that they learned that transformed them in that foreign land and, and bring it into the external world. And there's going to be many more adventures that they're going to experience. And I think that's what I'm trying to do. If I'm trying to do it at all, it's just an awareness of how I think life works. You go in to go out, to go in to go out. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I like that picture of the rings and 
I think it's less about like a teeter-totter balancing act for me and more about being aware that I'm, you know, I'm swimming across the ocean and I go and I go, I dive down deep into the water and, and I, and I, and I go as far as my lungs will take me and I see all that there is to see there and then kind of come up to the surface and take some deep breaths and tell my friends what I saw or whatever, and, and then take a big deep breath and then go back down. And so for me, the process of being a creative person is going down and up and down in the water and out of it and understanding that I, I have to do both just to live in this, in this life as it exists right now. Would you say that the, the pandemic of 2020 is kind of a forced Narnia for people? Maybe, yeah. not, maybe not pleasant, but certainly a forced other world. Maybe, maybe pleasant for some. Sure. Well, I mean, Narnia wasn't pleasant. It was just different. Right, like there was a witch, and there was battles, and people died, and it was scary, and like wasn't um, it wasn't uh, idyllic. It was just different. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I think we are forced to stay inside, and what what happens is two things happen for me. One, my dependency on the external world is revealed. I'm addicted to the thrill of being around people, and even who am I if I don't have other people to tell me who I am? Hmm. Well, you, you can't drop that bomb and move on. Just, just say, say a little more about that. I mean, from everything, from like not having to get dressed in the morning, if I don't want to, to I can kind of almost do whatever I want during the day and nobody really knows. And and everybody's very understanding of, you know, I'm sorry I didn't miss that deadline because, you know, the world is burning down. And so for me, it's been a very isolating experience. And so anytime you're isolated from a community, the question is, well, then who am I if nobody's paying attention to me, right? Somebody told me once character is who you are when nobody's watching. And what's funny about that is we're all different people in the dark, not better, not worse, just different. I act differently when I'm you know, by myself versus around a crowd of people. And so, you know, talking about stories, there is a story that you tell yourself about who you are, and that's not who you are. It's just a story. Uh, a friend of mine, Ray Edwards, says the story of your life is not your life. It's just a story. And a story is a way that you make meaning from an experience. It's very valuable, but it's not the thing. And so when millions of people, billions of people are forced to stay inside for months on end, what's interesting about it is it takes you out of the external world but it doesn't necessarily drive you into the internal world. I can still have an external world in my kitchen, in my bedroom, in my bathroom and and be glued to social media. And so to leave London and go into Narnia, if you will, is always a choice. You always have to choose to leave your comfort. So it's not about actually being in the external world. It's about being in your comfort zone. So you have to choose to leave order, to enter chaos, which is just newness, it's just the new thing, whatever that is, to experience a transformation that you can then bring back to the the familiar world. And so it's always a choice to step into the wardrobe. Talk about uh, the necessity of the gift. So if I go into the wardrobe, I do my thing, whether intentionally or unintentionally discomforted, I go through my adventure. If folks are still tracking with us, and I hope they are, because this is... Uh, it, well, it's it's rich for sure. But talk about what if what if I come out of that and I don't have a gift to offer, or vice versa? Like how? Well, just talk about the importance of 
of having something from those experiences to offer those who weren't on the adventure. So let's make this super practical and like not talk about, you know, tornadoes and Oz and wardrobes and, you know, witches. What we're talking about here is anytime in your life when you're facing a decision that calls you out of your comfort zone. And 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 these are often scary, trying situations and you you cannot see on the other side of it. You have hopes and you have fears, but you don't know how it's going to happen, right? right? Do I stay married or file for divorce? Do I stick with this job another year or finally quit and start my own thing? Like we are all facing these decisions every single day and there's no right way to go about it except there is something inside of you that is calling you to the adventure. And an adventure is just any time you do something other than what you've normally done. And, and so there are many adventures and, you know, larger adventures in our life, but we're all doing this multiple times and, and, uh, life transitions are an important part of this. So getting married, having kids, getting divorced, getting remarried, moving across the country, starting this job, quitting that job, however that looks and whatever it is, where life will necessarily offer these opportunities uh, again and again and again. So um, what is the gift? The gift is the thing that you learn or acquire as a result of the struggle. And so what is the gift of coronavirus 2020 for me? It is one, the struggle is, oh my God, I'm not okay by myself. I really need people. And I don't, and that seems the way that I need people, that's, there's something there. And so I'm going to dig into it and I discover all this stuff. And so the gift is learning how to be okay alone. And then there's another gift, which is um, learning what I need and that there's nothing wrong with, you know, calling up a friend and saying, hey, I'm feeling lonely right now. Can we talk? But the gift that I get is the triumph over the struggle or the lesson that I learned through the experience that I can then offer someone else. So the gift is not for me. I, I receive the gift and then share it with the community. And Hero's Journey, you know, you, you get the gift and, and then you bring it back to the community and share it with them. You bring it back home. So that can look a lot of different ways. In, in The Lord of the Rings, Frodo takes the ring and destroys it. And, and the gift is freedom to everybody because, you know, it destroys Sauron and everybody is is okay. So the gift is actually the eradication of something, but it's, it's freedom, it's liberation. And what's beautiful about that story is he comes, the whole goal of the story, and I love this because this is um, emblematic of our lives. The whole goal of the story is to get rid of the ring so he can go back home. Hmm. And he gets back. That's all he wants to do is get back to the Shire. He gets back to the Shire. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> and he, he doesn't stay there. He doesn't fit there anymore because he has been transformed by the adventure, the experience. And you'll find this as you leave the familiar, you go into the unknown, even temporarily, right? Uh, you go on a, a retreat or you go on a vacation or you you quit this job and go do something else. Then you realize, oh, I want, I want to go back or whatever. And when you return, you've changed. And the familiar context no longer feels like home. There's something about it that's changed you. So the gift, more often than not, is the way that you've changed through the experience. That is the gift that you offer other people through your work, through your advice, through just being who you are. So uh, I can't imagine not gaining some lesson, some perspective, even pain, especially pain, through an experience that in some way isn't going to be a gift to someone else. So kind of last category question, 
so grateful for this, man. What a what a gift. I, I love these interviews when I have a chance. Like I, I, I think my intention in doing this for the most part is to build something that's valuable for my listeners. And once in a while I get in these conversations and I'm not totally concerned whether my listeners like this. Like I'm <laughs> I'm I'm getting so much value out of this personally. But just as we're finishing up, like you're sitting picture yourself, you're sitting down with a disinterested party. Not that you're not interested, but somebody that you you don't have any, you don't need them to be anything for you and you don't need to be anything for them. And you're having coffee with them. Maybe they're a new acquaintance and uh, they're engaged in this conversation. These are new categories for them around story and experience and feeling most alive and going on adventures, transforming as a result of those adventures, even coming back to a world where not only is it uncomfortable, but maybe they are really concerned that life just isn't fitting the way that they thought it was supposed to fit <laughs> because of who they've become or who they're becoming. How do you practically give advice to someone like that? I mean, I'm confident you would listen, you drink a couple of cups of coffee, but what would be, and I also know you've been in these conversations a lot. What, what advice do you give to folks who are, are newer to this, this framework, but they're hearing something in it that just feels resonant. They they're craving more of this and they want to go further. What advice do you give them? How do you how do you be with them in a way where they have a path forward? I heard somebody say this recently and I think this is true which is that all a person not a personality, not a personality is an idea about a person, it's not an actual person because your personality changes, right? So all a person wants, all a soul desires is freedom. And so if you feel yourself resonating with that phrase, I want to be free, that phrase in and of itself is freedom. Imagine a thought higher than that. I want to be free. And if you can just hold on to that thought, what I think you will find is that um, there is no suffering, there is no problem, there is no pain that isn't a thought contrary to I want to be free. Meaning... If you pay attention to your thoughts, right? If you if you don't believe everything that you think for a minute and just go, oh, I had this thought and I felt this thing and and now I'm worried and now and yada yada yada. I think the path to freedom is to realize that there is something inside of you. Call it a soul. Call it a consciousness. Call it just who you are at your essence. That's driving this whole thing. And if you want to be free. You have to be able to see that, call it meditation, call it contemplation, just call it self-awareness. It doesn't matter. The word doesn't matter. The point is the way to become free is to become aware that there is something inside of you that's watching this whole thing go down. Of course it's a story. That's why you love stories because there is a part of you that is watching the story of your life going, what is she going to do next? And I find the greatest liberation in being able to observe my story, experience it, not dissociate from it, experience it as almost an audience member who's like also mm. in the cast. And all of a sudden it brings a lot of things into perspective. And I cannot think of a problem that I have or a source of suffering that isn't just simply a thought that I can choose to believe or not believe. For example, Maybe I'm being too esoteric here. Maybe maybe somebody doesn't like this and that makes me feel bad. Well, there's all kinds of thoughts associated with that. Do I know those thoughts are true? 
no, I don't. So I can hold on to the thought that maybe somebody won't like this and maybe that has, has some effect on me or not. And the freedom to just watch my whole life, including the events in it, the actions I take, the thoughts that I think, uh, it really does liberate me. And to make this as practical as possible, I was playing golf yesterday and I haven't played golf in 20 hmm. years. And as a teenager, I was on the golf team and I was not very good. And so a lot of the other golfers made fun of me. And so I step up to the tee <laughs> to, you know, drive the ball. And there's all these dudes, you know, standing around, all these middle-aged dudes. And they're, and I start getting anxious. I start feeling afraid. I'm going to shank this ball. And then all these people are going to make fun of me. And I'm going to be 15 years old again. And I'm going to feel bad. And I realized that's just a thought. And I took a deep breath and I hit the ball and, uh, it, it, it went three feet <laughs> uh, and I, and I started to feel shame and anxiety because why? Cause when they were looking at me, I have no idea, but because I thought they might be, and I took a deep breath and the thought went away and the anxiety went away and I hit the ball again and I played nine holes and I hit some good balls. I had some bad ones and it, it just was an experience. So you want to be free? Find a way to experience life free from all your thoughts around it. And the only way to do that is not to push the thoughts away. It's just to go, I'm thinking a thought right now that may or may not be true. Okay. And the and, and thoughts like emotions, like acne, like anything, they come and go. That's a bit meditative. It's a bit um, mindful. But I have found incredible freedom in going, my life is a story. A story is a way that we make meaning out of experience I want to be free. The way that I get free is to actually be in the experience. And the best way to do that is to become aware that my thoughts about reality are not reality. They're just thoughts. This was episode eight, season five of the Business of Creativity podcast. Converge is made possible thanks to The Habit Course from TellMeYourDreams.com. TMYD provides world-class coaching designed specifically for remote teams. Find out why Forbes magazine called TMYD's Habit Course the online course to master working from home. Sign up today at TellMeYourDreams.com. <laughs>